Welcome to the I Want to Know podcast. I'm Josh Spector, and I am your host. If you don't know who I am, I'm the creator of the For the Interested newsletter, which you can check out at fortheinterested.com. If you're new here, welcome. This podcast exists for a simple reason, to help creative entrepreneurs get their questions answered. Here's how it works. Each episode, a different guest comes on, asks me three questions. We have about a 10 minute conversation about each of them and that's it. No fluff, lots of actionable tips that you can put to use. A quick heads up before we start. Today's episode, we're gonna talk all about habits, which should be interesting and is obviously important. I just wanna let you know that I've got a couple skill sessions I've published that can help you develop habits that will help you grow your audience in business. My skill sessions are one hour video presentations where I take a very specific topic and show you how to do it based on things that I've done myself. So as far as habits go, the two that you may find helpful, one is called the newsletter booster, where I show you how you can get more newsletter subscribers by doing specific things for five minutes each day. The other is called the relationship builder, which gives you a series of habits you can use if you wanna connect with 50 people who can help you grow your audience and business. So if you like my podcast, if you like what we have to talk about today, you will absolutely love my skill sessions. You can check them out at joshspector.com slash sessions. Let's get into today's conversation. Today, my guest is Cody Duncan. Cody helps go-getters build better habits through sciencey tips and inspiring stories in his Habit Examples newsletter. You can also find him on Twitter at Habit Examples, where he's usually dealing habit tips and memes on the regular. Cody draws on lessons learned from the many hats he's worn, from music coach to psychology major, church missionary for two years in Honduras, web designer, director of marketing, to his favorite role, being a dad to his two and almost three kiddos. So with that in mind, hey, Cody, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm super honored and excited to be here. First of all, almost three kiddos. When is number three due? November, only three days sooner than when my last son was born. So, wow. Yeah. And then my daughter's in January. So I have all the birthdays bunched together in like within a couple months of the year. <laughs> yeah, no wonder you write about habits because I imagine with three kids, you need to develop habits in order to get yeah. anything done and accomplished. I only have one and I'm quickly learning how important habits are. So yeah, let's jump right into it. What's the first thing you want to know? Yeah, I want to know what's the number one habit you attribute to success in your personal life? It's interesting. We're going to, forgot to mention in the intro, this, today's episode is going to be a little different than a lot of my episodes, because while I do think I'm going to be giving advice that is hopefully helpful to people, we're going to talk a lot about my own habits, which is different than a lot of these episodes where I'm like, oh, I'll help you with your project. So you guys are about to learn how I operate. But before I get into that, let's, obviously you write a newsletter about habits. I'm just curious how, to hear how you define what a habit is or how you think about habits. Yeah, that's a great idea. I mean, my domain, when I talk about habits, I'm typically, I like to focus on good habits. I like to spend 80% of my time or more focusing on what good habits can we build. There's others out there that will focus more on eliminating the bad habits. And that's great. We need that too. But if we just eliminate and don't replace them with good, then the bad habits will always find their way back in. So that's yeah. my perspective is I'm usually focusing on the good habits. And then what a habit is, I mean, I like to think of it as just the repeated actions that make up who you are, or also the intentional regular actions you're using to become who you want to be. Yeah, I love that. I love that definition. And I think that fits in perfectly. We're going to talk both about personal and business habits today. And I think it's going to fit in perfectly with the stuff that I'm going to talk about. And I guess right off the top, I'm going to say this first question is about personal habits, but 
you know, I really find that my personal and business habits, like there's a real blurring of the line. And some of that is an intentional, like I, I have built a business and a career and work that I'm excited to do. I don't view the whole sort of work-life balance concept. I don't want to be doing work and have a job that I hate and be like, oh, that's the bucket over here. And then my personal is over here. So yeah. I'm going to talk about personal, but I think a lot of this actually over, there's definitely overlap and plays into sort sure. of my business as well. The other thing I would say in thinking about this question is I'm actually going to give you two habits, right? So one I think is a little more macro. It's I'm going to start with more of a mindset habit and then very specific in terms of just something that like I do on a daily basis, whatever. Let's start with the mindset one. So I think that the number one habit that has helped me be successful in my personal life is following my curiosity. I follow my curiosity and I question everything. And I don't mean in a bad way, but in a good way, I question everything. And I think that habit, while it's happening internally, sometimes externally, but mostly internally, manifests itself in sort of two questions that I find myself deliberately and instinctively asking all the time. And those two questions are what if and why not? So what if is a really powerful question because it forces you, and in my case, forces me to consider possibilities that I may not have considered. And that question, what if, can be used in a million ways in a million different situations, right? Both personally and business. What if I do this? What if I do that? What if I'm right? What if I'm wrong? What if it works? What if it doesn't? What if, in asking that question regularly of all sorts of situations, helps you realize that there are infinite possibilities out there. And by realizing and recognizing that there's infinite different things, right? This might work, this might not work. I could do it this way, I could do it that way. Forcing yourself to recognize that helps you see all the angles. I also think it helps you or forces you to consider that good outcomes are just as possible as bad ones. And I think a lot of times people fall into the trap of that's what a lot of fear of failure is about. They're seeing the potential bad outcomes, but not seeing the good outcomes. Or people blindly dive into something and they don't consider the potential costs. I don't mean financial, but the potential cost to it, the potential for failure. You can err either way. And I think that the more you sort of ask yourself that what if question, the more clearly you get a sense of what the possibilities are. And also, I think when you then do get those outcomes, you're less likely to beat yourself up because you don't go, oh, I screwed this whole thing up. I'm a failure. I'm terrible. It's like, no, from the very beginning, you knew that this might work. This might not work. So I love what you're talking about with the what ifs and why not. And what you just said about how we tend to focus on the negative potential outcomes and then use those to make decisions of, oh, so I probably shouldn't try this because what if it fails or those kind of things. I, I studied psychology. There's a, a theory in psychology that human beings feel losses with more pain than yeah. the good that a win feels. Like losing $10 hurts more than gaining $10 feels good. And so it, it would seem that like likely that would explain a lot of people's behavior as why they would put more weight on the potentially negative outcomes as opposed to the positive ones. Do you have any like tips or advice on how somebody can overcome that mentally, even though that's how we potentially are wired mm -hmm. to think about things. How can we like overcome that? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that this is maybe my instinctive answer, which is maybe a simplified one is another thing that I like to do, which I guess is also a habit 
is I'm a big believer in assume success as opposed to assume failure. So while I'll ask that what if question and I'll go, well, if it's, if I succeed, if this happens X, Y, and Z, which again is also a prediction, you don't really know what's going to happen, even if you succeed or fail, but I will assume success and go, if I was successful at doing this thing, do I think that would make me happy? Is that what I want? As opposed to, yes, I'm considering I might fail and this might happen and what that might be like. Here's an example, which is from work or career. Let's say you have a job and you're going down a typical career path. If you look at the person that's two, three, four levels or promotions above you and you go, would I be happy with that job? Does that person seem happy? Forget the pay, forget the title, forget the everything else. Do I actually want that life if I was successful in getting to that point? And I think there's a lot of people that don't actually want that, but they're so focused on how do I get the raise? How do I get the promotion? How do I go down the path? that They don't realize they're going down a path that, that assuming they're, let's forget failure. Let's assume they succeed and get it. They don't really want that. And there's high level jobs that you look at and you go, most people that have those jobs are not happy and don't seem to really be enjoying. So I don't know that exactly answers your question, but I do think that sort of, I assume success and go, if this works, do I want that? And then the flip side of that is if this fails, besides obviously no one likes to fail and it's going to feel bad and it's going to whatever, but what am I really risking? So there's a lot of things that it's, well, if I fail, I've wasted X amount of time. Let's say I fail spectacularly, right? Like I've wasted X amount of time. I've wasted X amount of money. Maybe I turned down some other opportunities. But at the end of the day, most failures aren't nearly as bad as you think they're going to be. Like that, yeah. like the actual losses aren't going to, in most cases, they're not going to prevent me from doing something else. They're not going to prevent me from trying something else. Usually you're going to be out some degree of time and money. And sometimes not even money. I'll use this podcast as an example, right? Like when I started out, I was like, I'm going to do 12 episodes of this podcast. So I'm going to do it for three months. If it's a disaster and I hate it and no one listens to it and I get nothing out of it, all I am out is the time it took me to produce those 12 episodes. That's it. So a lot of people are afraid to start it because they go, what if it fails? But when you realize the what if it fails, is it just cost me whatever if I spend a couple, let's say I spent two hours a week doing the podcast and I do 12 episodes, the only cost in a colossal failure is 24 hours of my time. I love that framework that you actually just put out for what you're, how you entered the idea of doing your podcast was 12 episodes, three months, almost as an experiment. Let's just yeah. test how this goes. And then I'll decide if I'm going to do this long term. I think that's yeah. a, honestly a solid framework for anything someone's considering pursuing personal habit or something in business, anything, try it for a solid three months. A lot of people yep. don't make it that long, but they fear the results of if it, if they went longer and it's, yep. well, why don't you go like this short term that's maybe longer than you, than where a lot of people would give up before they get there long enough to see some kind of results, even if just you enjoy it. Maybe you're yep. not actually making money from it yet, but it's, Hey, this is really fun and I enjoy it. Great. Keep doing it. But it sounds like overall, you're saying that fear of the loss really is a fear of the unknown. And if mm -hmm. what you're saying is if you follow that train of thought of, okay, well, really, what is the worst that can happen? Mm -hmm. It kind of uncovers it from being an unknown to this known that really is a much smaller monster than we thought was under the bed. Yeah, so you can know. vary, you can vary deliberately. And the podcast example is a good one, right? By going, I'm not starting a podcast and I'm committing to do this for the rest of my life and whatever, right? Yeah. You can shrink the risk and shrink the fear 
by being very specific in how you go about things. There's another example, and I think James Clear, obviously, who's an expert on habits, he, he talked about this as well, where it's if you're going to, let's say you're going to start working out. As opposed to setting the bar of, I need to work out for an hour and I need to do lift this many weights and do this much stuff. You could be like, no, you could define success initially as, did I go to the gym and do something? You shrink the potential failure. I don't need to train like a triathlete in week one. I just need to go to the gym and do something. And if I do that, that is successful. So the other piece of that, so that's the sort of what if. The other piece, the second question of this sort of curiosity habit is why not? And there's some overlap here, but I think why not is really powerful because it also can override imposter syndrome, which so many people deal with. I've been lucky in that I think this mindset comes relatively natural to me, though it's also probably been honed over years of me doing it instinctively. So the why not question, again, plays out in a million different ways, right? So why not me? Why can't I be the one who does that thing or gets that thing? Somebody's going to do it. Somebody's going to get it. Why not me? Why not is also, why can't I be the first one to solve this problem? Why can't I be the one who does this differently? Why not also really plays into sort of a rebellious streak that I have and I think a lot of (laughs) people have, but like, why do I have to do it the way everyone else is doing? Why do I have to do what has always been done? And you can see it in my work. Why can't my newsletter be one paragraph? Yeah. Why does it have to be long? Why can't my podcast be people asking me questions as opposed to me asking them questions? Who says the conventional wisdom is right? Who says that these quote unquote rules exist? So that combination of this why not, which again is a different form of curiosity because that why not is also rooted in a curiosity of maybe there's a different way to do it. Maybe there's a better way to do it, right? So what if and why not combined are really fundamental to who I am going back to the original question about personal habits. They're fundamental to who I am. They're fundamental to everything that I do. And again, they're rooted in the curiosity. And that's macro mindset that filters into everything. And I'll leave this question with one super specific habit because I always like to give people something like actionable (laughs) that they can do. That's fine. The super specific one is I go for at least one 30-minute walk every day. I highly recommend people try it. I don't think it's a coincidence that so many successful, creative, productive people over the year have been consistent walkers. And you can, some people choose to listen to stuff. Sometimes I listen to music. Sometimes I listen to podcasts. Um, Other people go and they don't listen to anything. But it is a super powerful habit that both makes me feel better. And it's, I don't meditate, but it's sort of a meditative experience. And I haven't done it all my life. I started doing it maybe 10 years ago and it really has been incredible. And then within that, I'll give you sort of a bonus tip that if you do go for walks regularly, after you've done it for a while, go for a walk and purposefully walk at half speed or slower. It is crazy what the first time I did it, I was like, this is so weird. I'm walking the same route I always walk. And all I'm doing is literally forcing myself to walk slower. And it was a totally different experience, way more relaxing. I noticed a million things on the same walk that I'd gone on a million times that I never noticed before. And you could literally, I especially recommend it if you're feeling stressed out or busy or whatever, that sort of force, walking's great, but the force slowdown of a walk on occasion is like life-changing. So I highly recommend trying it out. That's fascinating. I've never heard that specific advice of forcing yourself to slow to like half speed. I'm going to have to try that. It's really weird. 
And at first you also realize, because again, I'm not speed walking or anything on a normal basis, but you realize you're like, wow, if I want to slow down, like I'm actually walking at a face faster pace than I realize. But it's very interesting. I highly recommend Mm. trying it. Interesting. Cool. So let's get to your second question. What's the next thing you want to know? Yeah. Second question. I want to know what's the number one habit you attribute to success in your business? Again, there's overlap here. And again, I'm going to, I'm going to, I think, take the sort of same approach where I'm going to start macro mindset and then get to a specific actionable tip. So I think the macro one is the number one habit that has helped me in my business is I do things. And that seems very simplistic, but not a lot of people do things. Yeah. They talk about doing things. They think about doing things. They tell themselves they're going to do things, but they don't actually do the thing. You know, how many people are out there saying, I want to be a writer. I'm working on starting a newsletter. We talked right before the show and I asked you how long you've been doing your newsletter. And you said, oh, I've been doing it for nine months, but I spent nine months before that preparing. And (laughs) so you spent nine months not doing the thing. And now for nine months, you've done the thing. And I think that's super super common. And you actually get credit because you at least got to the point of doing it. Like most people don't actually do it. And then they wonder why is like, why am I not having success? Why are things not happening? It's well, you're not doing things. I shout from the rooftops to anybody thinking of doing a newsletter, just start. Don't do what I did. It was such a way. I mean, not, I mean, I love to think that every experience is a learning experience. I don't want to totally label it as a waste of time, but It's part of the journey, but right, probably could have been shortened. And I think it's interesting because I think why do a lot of people not do things? And I think this gets back to a fear of failure, right? And the irony to me is the only way to guarantee failure is to not do something. So they're literally like, yeah, you might do it and you might fail, but you're definitely going to fail if you don't actually do it. So the very, Isn't it like Michael Jordan, who said you miss hundred percent of the shots yeah. you don't take. I could be quoting that wrong, but yeah. Yeah. The very thing that they're afraid of, they're doing to themselves by just not actually doing the thing. So I, from a mindset perspective, very much have a, I'm going to do things. I'm very biased towards action in sort of everything with my business. I'm not going to just dive into it. I will think about it. But once I decide this is a thing I want to do, like we're going. And so I think the other thing that's important about that is I really believe like you cannot learn without doing. So you see people all the time who are like, oh, I'm going to start a newsletter or I'm going to do this or I'm going to start a business or I'm going to offer this product. I'm going to I'm going to launch a course and they're spending months learning. You can read all the stuff you want about how to build a course. You can watch all the videos. You can take all the classes. You can do all the things. Everything you're going to learn is minuscule compared to when you actually start doing and putting the course out there. So the sooner you start doing, the sooner you start learning and the more valuable the stuff that you learn. You'll retain the knowledge you are learning from courses, books, or other places because you're actually putting it into action. It will solidify in your memory better. And I also think too, along those lines, this is the way the world has changed and with the internet in general, this is the massive advantage, the ability to be like, I have an idea and to build it and put it out quickly is honestly like the greatest advantage of the internet as relates to businesses and entrepreneurs and that kind of stuff. So to not take advantage of that because you're off, it's the equivalent of I'm going to go to the library and spend six months looking at old books. It's no, you can put it out and get immediate feedback on whatever your concept or whatever your thing is that's going to help you improve. 
The other thing is, I think this idea of doing things also relates to another concept, which I really believe in, which is the value of a quick no. And when I say a quick no, I mean, it could be rejection from other people. It also could be rejection that you decide you don't like it. I launch a podcast and I quickly realize I don't want to launch a po- I don't want to do this, right? The audience doesn't want it, whatever it is. But the value of a quick no is really important. And you can only get that once you start doing it. Because up until that point, it's all hypothetical. Maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. And I think what people don't realize is that finding out you don't like something or don't want to do something is as valuable as finding out you do because it allows you to move on to something else. Until you do the thing and it doesn't work or you decide you don't like it, it is forever a drag on you because you're going, I don't know, I kind of want to do this. I like, if it's not going to work, let's have it not work. My wife is a salesperson. We talk about this all the time. She's selling advertising to clients. And the problem is taking eight meetings about whether or not they're going to buy before they say no. They're going to say no. Let's make the pitch up front. Let's get the no and let's move on. Because in that interim, all that time that she's spending with what I consider getting to a slow no, it's time that could be spent on other people that we're going to say yes. So the dragging out of things is always problematic. And I think you always want to try to, again, but you can't get the quick no until you do the thing. The other thing I would say, and this kind of leads into my more practical tip, if you're going to have this mindset of doing things, right? If you're going to go, I'm going to make a habit of doing things and not just thinking about and talking about and whatever, you can't be a perfectionist. You just can't. So I very much, I care about my work. I want to make things that are good. I want to make things that are valuable, but I do not, I, in no way am I a perfectionist, right? I take a very sort of minimum viable product approach to anything I do. And I say product, but that counts for anything in my business, right? Free content, blog posts, whatever. The idea that I'm going to spend weeks writing a blog post, that ain't going to happen. I'm going to spend a couple hours and I'm going to hit publish. I haven't done it, but for a while I've been thinking about getting like a baseball head that just says publish. Like I'm a big belief, which is a different version of do things, but like yeah. press publish. So when I'm going to do anything, I'm always thinking about what is the minimum I need to do to get it up and going. Yeah. I know it's not going to be perfect. I know it's not going to be close to perfect. When I launched this podcast and was putting clips on YouTube, I was like, I didn't know anything about any of that. YouTube's a rabbit hole. Thumbnails and titles and all this sort of stuff, artwork and cutting clips and all that kind of stuff. I was like, this is not going to be remotely close to perfect, but we're going to put it out. I'm just going to put it up and I'll fix the thumbnails later and I'll fix the descriptions later and I'll fix all the other stuff. I know that I can and will iterate on anything once it's live, once it's published, once I've done it. But I also know that if I try to get it all right up first, that's going to prevent me from doing things. It's going to slow everything down. Yeah. So the habit there is you have to consistently, I say publish, but it doesn't matter whatever it is that you're doing. Even if you're not publishing something, you have to consistently do the thing. And when in doubt, put it out. So how that translates to a specific habit for me is almost everything I do has a specific consistent timetable. I don't publish my newsletter sporadically. I publish it weekly and now daily. I don't tweet when I feel like it. I publish at least one tweet every morning. I do also tweet on top of that randomly, but at least one tweet's going to go out every morning. My podcast doesn't come out when I feel like it, it comes out every Wednesday. So building in those things and like, I'm the kind of person that does things, which means I'm going to pick specific sort of consistency to do it. 
and force myself to do it. And the key here is it's one of my favorite quotes of all time it comes from Lauren Michaels. And he said, Saturday Night Live doesn't go on because it's ready. It goes on because it's Saturday night at 1130. And it's like that it to me, that is the doing things mindset. And yeah. with all of my business, I think it underlies all of it. People ask me, I've published, I think this week was like the 363rd issue of my newsletter, 363 weeks in a row. Uh, and people go like, how do you do that? And I go, I don't publish 363 newsletters. I publish one newsletter 363 times. Yeah, You just do it. One of the most common things, the reason I say that habit has been so key to my success is so many people that I see are struggling. They don't have that habit. They're not doing it. They're not doing it consistently for a variety of reasons, fear of failure, imposter syndrome. They don't, maybe they think they want to do it, but they don't really want to do it. I would not be able to do that with my newsletter if I didn't enjoy producing it. So that's a piece of it as well. But any questions about any of that before we go to the next no, one? I, I was just going to say, I, I love, it's, it's cool that with creators, there's built in that social public accountability to what you said yeah. you were going to do. When you advertise your newsletter as, oh, it goes out every day or it goes out once a week or I publish on YouTube every <laughs> Wednesday, whatever it is. If you communicate that publicly as you grow, there's going to be people that if you miss a week, they're going to message you or DM you or something or re reply to your last newsletter and go, hey, what happened? Where was it? Yeah. And that I love that accountability. And there's also that feedback, right? Even yeah. forget like whether it's good, bad or otherwise, but that's a, that's another big piece of it too. When you do things, you get, even if it's small, you get that little spike. Yeah. You might be nervous to hit publish, but you also get that feeling of accomplishment of I put this, I took this idea that was in my head and I put it out in the world. And so if you're not doing things, you're missing out on that sort of adrenaline kick of, oh, that felt good. That yeah. felt good. And yes, it can go the other way and whatever. But for the most part, if you're doing things you're excited about, you should be excited to share them with people. And that yeah. builds on itself. You want, really. you chase that feeling in a good way. Cool. So let's get to your last question. What is the third thing you want to know? I want to know if you simply could not continue your current business for some reason, what steps would you take to find an equally meaningful use of your time? It's funny when I saw that you wanted to ask me this question, like this is a tricky one, especially working for myself because I feel and have evolved my business over the years, I feel so much like I can just morph it into sort of whatever. Like, for example, I used to have some clients that I ran Facebook ads for. And mm. at some point I was like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. So I stopped doing that, right? Unlike a lot of people who are working for other people and they, it, it's trickier, right? The job is what it is. I have a lot of flexibility to be able to morph my business. So I don't think I had ever actually even thought about, well, if I couldn't do this, what would I do? So you definitely gave me something to think about. And so here's what I came up with as I was thinking about it. So it's funny because I think my answer in some ways is actually a combination of my first two answers. I think I would lean on my habits and both my personal and business life that have served me well, use them to guide me to whatever this new thing would be that I would find meaningful, right? So I pursue my curiosity. I do lots of things to see what sticks. I think one thing that's important to mention here about how I think about my business and business in general, I am not driven by the money. Yes, I need to make money. Yes, I like making money. I'm not anti-money in any way. I'm not a trust fund kid who doesn't have to worry about anything. Like there, there are realities of money and I get it, but I never make decisions solely based on the money. So I'm driven by experimentation and learning and challenge and sort of the things that excite me. The other thing that I think lots of people 
may not know about me because I don't talk about it much on Twitter or social. Like I'm very focused on my niche, but I have tons of interest outside of this creative entrepreneur niche. I love music. I love sports. I have a daughter now, family. There's, I'm interested in politics. There's a lot of stuff that I don't talk about because it's not relevant to what I'm trying to do in my business, but that doesn't mean those interests don't exist. So I think that's important to mention because I think a lot of times people look at it and if they don't see you talking about that stuff, they may not realize that. They're like, oh, this guy is just all creative entrepreneur all the time. Yes. No, I just don't talk about that stuff on my <laughs> social platforms and whatever. So I think the first thing I would do if I had to make a total pivot into a different field and not doing the sort of creative entrepreneur thing, I would explore worlds that those worlds that I'm interested in and that I already do all the time, but I would start to explore them and go, okay, could I create a business or get a job or whatever it is that relates to music or sports or parenting or politics or any of these things, right? So I'd start with that sort of exploration and asking a lot of those questions I mentioned before. What if this? Why not this? What if, you know, whatever. There's also a bigger question here, I think, in the way you phrase the question of, you said, what steps would I take to find an equally meaningful use of your time? So I think it's important to think about what is meaningful. Mean. Yeah. And so for myself, I was like, all right, well, how would I define meaningful? And so what came to me was I said, to me, what it means to do something meaningful is to do something that both I care about and that someone else cares about, that it requires both sides of the equation. And I don't know that, again, there's no right or wrong definition, but I think for me, that's what meaningful means. An example of this is for all the stuff that I've written for years, ever since I was a kid and whatever, I have never written a diary. And I'm very introspective and I'm very whatever. And I've thought about this a lot of why have I never written a diary? And I think that the reason is there's something about the publishing, the sharing, that somehow just writing a diary didn't feel meaningful mm. to me. And I think it ties directly into this because somehow not sharing my ideas or what I have with someone else somehow made it not meaningful for me. And I think it requires, for me, meaningfulness means it needs to not just, something not just I care about, but that they care about as well. So as I would be looking at all these things and thinking about it, I would specifically be looking like, here's an example, again, from a business standpoint, like parenting is very meaningful for me, but if I'm going to build a business about it or make that the sort of focus of my time, whatever I'm going to do about that has to be meaningful to others as well. I'm not just going to spend time doing a thing because it means something to me. Like I'm wired in a way that I want it to create value for others as well. So on a macro level, that's how I'd approach all this stuff. But to get more specific, there's an exercise I've recommended for people who are trying to identify their niche audience that I think could also be applied to this about how to figure out what is meaningful for yourself, right? And how you want to spend your time. So here's what you would do. Make a list of, or I would make a list of 10 potential things that I think I might enjoy. 10 things that I might enjoy that would be meaningful ways for me to spend my time and survive, make them financially viable and whatever. Then for each of those things, I would basically try on that life, that business, that profession, that whatever for a week at a time. I wouldn't worry about the success of it. I'm just trying to see how does it feel to do that thing, to be that person. I'm essentially trying on that life or trying on that persona. So for example, if one of the things was, oh, maybe I'll be an author. I'd be like, all right, well, I'm going to write for, I'm going to pretend I'm an author 
for a week and I'm going to see what that life is like. I'm going to write for X amount of days or what, and not worrying about that it needs to be the ultimate end all. It doesn't need to be perfect, whatever. I don't need to have it all figured out. I'm certainly not going to have that all figured out in a week, but I'm going to go, if I were an author, what would my days be like? And I would do the thing. And I go, how do I feel about this? How do I make this feel? Am I enjoying it? Am I getting meaning out of it, et cetera? Give you another completely different example. So let's say for whatever reason, I was like, One of the things on my list was maybe I'll become a consultant who helps dry cleaners grow their business. So what would I do? How do I try that on for a week? I don't have clients. I don't whatever. I might go to my local dry cleaner and be like, hey, could I help you with marketing or come up with some ideas for a week? You don't need to pay me. I just want to see what, you know, whatever. Or if I didn't even have that, I might just pretend someone hired me. If this dry cleaner who I don't even know, but I had to grow their business in a week, like what would I do? Again, I'm just trying on that version of a life. Might spend a week putting together a plan for what I do, or I would spend a week, maybe every day for a week, I go have lunch with a different dry cleaner owner and talk to them and learn the business and see what they're, cha- you know, I'm trying to embed myself in this potential world and see how it feels. And this gets back to sort of doing things, right? The doing of that, I'm going to learn way more than a hypothetical, what do I want to do with my life? It's now, I want to do one of these 10 things. I'm going to go for a week at a time and try each of them. Coming out of that, so let's say I do that with 10 potential lives, basically, or whatever, careers, businesses. At the end of that 10 weeks, I'm going to learn a lot. I'm going to have a lot more clarity than I had going into it. So now let's say at the end of that 10 weeks, maybe there's four of those potential things that felt meaningful to me, that that felt pretty good. So I'm not sure which I want, but I've removed, I've narrowed the 10 down to four. So the next thing I would do is I would essentially play Survivor, like the TV show from there on out. So I would start working in some small way on all four of those potential things. So maybe I spend a day a week or a few hours a day writing like I was an author and I spend a couple of days a week with the dry cleaner, you know, helping out some dry cleaner, whatever. I'd work on all four. And after a couple of months, I'd vote one off the island. I'd go, okay, I've done these four things in some capacity for a couple months. Which one is my least favorite, the least meaningful? That's gone. Then I do another couple months, but now I'm only doing three things and I do it again. And eventually there'd be one thing left standing and that would be my new, my new life. That, that is how I would approach it. And I think that's with a big sort of career or business change. Yeah. But I think that concept could be applied to side hustles, could be applied to just about anything. Absolutely. Yeah. Any questions about that? No, I just want to say I absolutely love that perspective on it because I've heard not a ton, but a few other people, maybe not applied in no sense, like we're talking about with choosing a new business, but even with just deciding between multiple opportunities in your life, maybe you're still going to be in the same job, but just you've got multiple opportunities, but they can't all exist together. And I've heard like thought exercises before, but Mm -hmm. this, what you just explained is the most fits with everything else you've said today of it being very action oriented. Just like, how can I get into it and be doing the thing and really feel out and experience what this is? And it's going to be so much more obvious what I want to do way better than just thinking about it for days and contemplating and playing out possible scenarios. Let's get out of the theory, go do the thing. And yep play it out, like you said, 10 different lives and then play Survivor. I just think that's all. Right. And also, I think a lot of people take that, they think it through and they make a decision and they take that plunge blind. And now there's a lot of pressure on that thing to work. 
and not just work, but for them to like it. And they go, oh shit, like I thought I was going to really like being an author or this isn't what I thought it would be, but I've committed to it and whatever. The same approach could be applied to just about any habit you want to develop. So let's say that someone's, okay, I want to, I want to get in better shape, but I don't know. I'm not someone that's exercised a ton. I don't know. Maybe I want to play basketball. Maybe I want to go to the gym. Maybe I want to be a runner. Like, I don't know which way to do this. Make a list and go, okay, for one week, I'm going to be the gym guy. And for one week, I'm going to be the jogger. And for one week, I'm going to be the yoga guy. And for one week, and you do that, you actually do the things. I think you will very quick. Number one, it's more likely to keep you interested because you're trying new things and whatever. It's impossible for me to believe that if you do a week of yoga and a week of running, that you're not going to have a concrete, I like this better than the other. Totally. You're going to figure something out. And I think that the key there is, and I'm using an example of a week, but it could be a month. It could be whatever. But the key is to do it long enough so you're not making the decision based on, oh, this was really hard. I went and did yoga once and that was really hard and I'm done with it. Well, maybe day one of yoga is harder than day one of running, but maybe day 10 of yoga is a lot more enjoyable than day 10 of running. So understanding that like I'm sampling them and I'm sampling them for long enough, whatever that means to be able to identify based on what I'm doing, as opposed to the hypothetical, this is what I like. And this is the decision you're making a way more educated decision based on your own sort of interests. And I also think again, for all of it, I think it also probably makes it more interesting and probably made more fun. Like in some way you're sort of gamifying the habit development. I guess. (laughs) Seriously, it totally feels like a gamification. And that's one of the things that I love to focus on when it comes to habits. Obviously, habits are easier when they're fun. So how can you make it more fun or figure out how it could be more fun, like playing Mm -hmm. the what if game? And that's a great way where, you know, a lot of people, I know we're talking about exercising here. A lot of people don't know. Maybe they've only ever tried one thing. They've only ever tried going and working out on machines. And they're like, I hate exercising. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of other options out there. Let's play these out and really, yeah. kind of, again, do this kind of experiment. I think that's a fantastic idea. I love it. And another, again, just another example of the way this can be applied to anything is let's take a newsletter, right? So let's say you write a weekly newsletter and you go, in month one, my newsletter is going to be this format. And in month two, my newsletter is going to be this uh, format. Yeah. And in month three, my newsletter is going to be this format. And I'm going to look at how people respond. I'm going to look at how I feel about writing it versus what most people do is they go, let me figure out what the format of my newsletter is before I've ever written one. And I'll pick that format. And that's what it's going to be for the rest of my life. Yeah, It's fine. And even for readers to go, hey, this is a new newsletter. I'm experimenting with formats every month for the first four months is going to be a sort of different format. I love to hear what you think about it. And again, this testing and this evolving can become a narrative arc as well that feeds into different stuff. Cody, thank you so much for giving me a reason to think through my own (laughs) habits. This is all stuff that I haven't really talked about before. It was a cool prompt. And I think this is a unique episode. It's different than ones we've done here before. And I'm sure people will enjoy it. So anyone that's listening to this, I'm sure is way interested in habits. So tell them where they can get your newsletter, where they can check you out and your other stuff. Absolutely. And thank you for having me on here again. If you're looking for that extra support with understanding more what habits are out there, how to improve your day-to-day life, go to habitexamples.com. I send out a three-minute read every Tuesday. Super simple. 
quick and applicable, very much like this. I do like to experiment and talk about some theories, but I always bring it back to what's an actionable thing you can really do in your life today to apply this and feel the results. We'd love to see you on there. And I always reply to my emails. So don't be afraid to hit reply and ask a question or say hi. Cool. My, my kind of guy. My newsletter, fortheinterested.com slash subscribe. If you would like to come on the show and ask me three questions, give me some stuff to think about that I haven't thought about before, joshspector.com slash questions. And again, if you like the podcast, you will love my skill sessions. Trust me, check them out, joshspector.com slash sessions. That's it. Thanks again, Cody. Thanks everyone Thank for you. listening, watching. I will see you next week.